Welcome to The Course Reports, your real deal inside look at professional golf venues around the world. You're looking for that inside information? You want to get inside the ropes? Well, it's time to get on the green. I'm Curtis Tyrell, Certified Golf Course Superintendent, Master Green Keeper. I'm here to bring you the smooth and true facts. This week, we're going around the world to New Zealand, Terra Edi, with Brian Palmer. It's going to be a good one. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on the green. It's time for the course reports. This episode is brought to you by Canon Golf. Asset assurance, elevated experience. Find it at canongolf.com. Well, I want to welcome to the course reports a good friend from back in the days of Chicago, Illinois, golf course superintendent now at Terra Edi in Mangawai, New Zealand, Brian Palmer. Brian, welcome to the Course Reports. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well, Curtis. I'm doing really well. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, man. Um, this this is pretty cool. We are uh, recording a podcast from two different spots in the globe completely, other side of the world, really. Yeah, yeah, about 8,000 miles apart. Yeah, no doubt. So it's 7 a.m. your time? Yep, yep. The, the sun just, uh, just rose about an hour ago to uh, a nice uh, sort of fresh morning here in New Zealand. It's good. Man, what a journey you've been on. Did I pronounce it right, Tara Edi in Mangawai, New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, there's a couple different sort of uh, pronunciations. Uh, if you want to go and roll the R almost like uh, like you're speaking Spanish, it would almost kind of sound like a like the letter D. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the town, yeah, it's Mangawai or, or it's some people will pronounced as Mungify, which is the other native uh, pronunciation. So right. yeah, yeah, but you're spot on for the most part there. That's the, that's uh, what most people will pronounce it as. Okay. So we'll, we'll go with that then for now. I'll, uh, I'll have to work <laughs> on the, the proper dialect. But so 8,000 miles away, you're on the northeast coast of New Zealand. Yep. How'd you end up there, man? Um, I'll tell you what, I've, uh, I've been really fortunate in my career so far to, to have some great opportunities and you know, one of the opportunities uh, when I was the superintendent at Shore Acres was uh, to have the opportunity to come here and play golf at the Renaissance Cup when uh, it first opened here in 2016. So uh, I was able to come down here in the middle of the Chicago winter and play golf for about six, seven days. Uh, you know, I've always worked with Tom at Shore Acres and here, obviously, he's the uh, designer. So, uh, yeah, I came here. Um, I fell in love with it, and uh, you know, I'm, I met a lot of people. When my predecessor decided to move on, I think I was on uh, I guess a bit of a short list after keeping in touch with everybody. Uh, and then uh, I went through the interview process, and you know, and here we are. Wow. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. It's you know, it's something I've always been pretty uh, like a curious person. And after playing some links golf in Scotland and and in England, uh, I was always kind of intrigued by this whole uh, you know uh, fescue fescue growing on sand in a proper environment and uh you know my wife is obviously very supportive to come all the way over here with me and uh, it's been a pretty wild journey so far we've been here for about a year very cool very cool well let's back up a little bit um tell us about how you got into the profession and where you're from and how you ended up in shore acres before you made the move to Z- new zealand yeah well um i'm from uh you know central new york like uh actually quite a few superintendents from the area. So like just north of Binghamton, um, my father was a superintendent at a 
a municipal course there, and my uh, my grandfather was the the golfer of the family, and so I so I learned to play from my grandfather, and I learned to grow grass from my dad, and um, you know I worked for for him all through high school, and and I decided at uh, at some point that I think this is something I want to do for a living, and at that point uh, I went to State University of New York at Cobleskill, and I did some internships throughout uh, you know the, the Northeast there and. Uh, Central New York. Uh, I was uh, in Connecticut uh, on Long Island, and then I went back to, to Long Island via the Pine Ridge Golf Club. Uh, we did a grow in there, and I went back uh, full time after college. And um, you know, I learned a great deal there. It was a, it was, a, I guess, a, at that time, a bit of a low budget um, uh, grow in construction project. So we definitely learned a lot. And at that point, I remember having a conversation with my uh, you know, my boss there and saying, you know, how do I get to, to your position? And he said, well, if you want to get to my position, you have to get the heck out of here. So mm-hmm. I went home that night and, uh, and I did some, you know, I did some homework at what jobs were available. And there's an irrigation tech job available at the Marion Golf Club. Uh, I applied for it and I remember going, I think a week later for an interview and I was hired and started maybe two weeks later and spent uh, almost seven years there working uh, yeah, with Matt Schaefer and you know, a bunch uh, of great guys who are now my close friends. Um, right. Going and working my way up through the ranks, you know, assistant training, assistant and um, all that stuff. And uh, I had to make the hard decision to, uh, to leave. I, I started to interview for some positions and uh, I was able to secure the one at Shore Acres and I had to leave in uh, – December of 2012, so six months before the U.S. Open. Oh. So, so I was a part of a lot of the heavy lifting and that sort of stuff, you know, like getting the other fairway lines all dialed in and all everything that goes with the U.S. Open, and uh, and I scooted, and uh, I started at Shore Acres in January 2013. Well, you sure landed at a good spot, but uh, what a neat story. So a family affair uh, in New York, working uh, under your dad, learning how to grow grass from your dad, learning how to play the game from your grandfather. Uh, so it's been in your family since you, you've been on the planet. And uh, then you end up at Matt Schaefer's, um, on Matt Schaefer's team at Marion Golf Club. And you spent a good amount of time there. So over six years, that's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time working for Matt. I'm sure he'll chuckle when he hears that. But it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a long time. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he was a great mentor. Uh, he taught you a lot of valuable lessons that at the time you didn't even quite realize until you – are out on your own and you know and you have your own course and and then all of a sudden you uh, you realize everything that he taught you and uh, it was right. great it was an invaluable experience and like i said um just got to work with a great group of guys and you know we're still in touch to this day and we're always bouncing ideas off each other and helping each other out so um, that's really yeah. the key isn't it you know I it, mean, it is it is it's invaluable yeah the, the network of uh of our colleagues and the people that we we stay in touch with you know i mean it's that drive that drive home you make a call to one of your buddies and you tell them about what you're seeing what what's happening to you you hear about uh their stories um you know you kind of support each other kind of help trace down the clues to get answers i mean it's it's a big part of our business and i think people outside of our business probably have no idea how tight our business is um certainly you know a small world for sure uh but in particular you mentioned all the guys at marion i mean matt uh that mentorship under matt really has produced some of the finest superintendents in the game today at some of the finest facilities so you had the opportunity to go to shore acres which is 
a top 100 club, classic place. Uh, what was that like uh, leaving Matt's uh, mentorship and then being at a club of that caliber on your own? Uh, you know, anytime that you're on your own, uh, it's a bit of a wake up call. You know, you kind of go, oh man, this is on me now. You know, sure. like Matt, like he said, he, uh, you know, when you get a job, he's like, yeah, congratulations, you got it. That's the easy part. Now you got to keep it. And, uh, <laughs> right. and, and yeah, I mean, he's totally right. So, you know, you have to go in and assess everything, equipment, you know, the, uh, the practices that have been done to the golf course prior to, uh, your arrival there and really, and see what, see what's happening and how, how you can make the, the necessary changes to produce the conditions they want and, and yeah, you know how it goes. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah, the first year is really challenging, but very rewarding. Very rewarding. It's something that, um, you know, that I've been going through here. I've been here for just about a year now. So just trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Uh, you know, assemble the right team and, and go put the right people in the right places to be successful. And, and, and hopefully the other club's in a better place for it. Right, right. It definitely takes some time to get that momentum and to get that comfortability with the, with the site and with the team. And, and all that, uh, especially being on the other side of the globe. But, you know, you were very successful at Shore Acres and you had a good thing going. Um, you were working with uh, Tom Doak on some, uh, some what, what would you call the work you did there? I mean, uh, restoration work, but it was all very um, meticulously planned. It wasn't a mass scale project, right? You were kind of picking away at it as you went along, doing stuff uh, over the years. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's great about that club is they have never really messed with anything too much. I mean, mm-hmm. all the bunkers were there. Nothing's ever been removed. Yeah, they never hired someone to come in and, uh, you know, and go in and put their spin on it. So obviously, it's a 100-year-old club. You're going to have some greens that have shrunk a little bit, some fairways that have shrunk a little bit, and you've got some uh, some work to be done with trees and things of that nature. So it's really it's just a lot of fine-tuning, you know, and my predecessor there had done a great job of, trying to maintain, uh, you know, like a lot of the other Rainer uh, characteristics there. So it was really about going and putting the other finishing touches on it and uh, trying to expose the ravines and trying to expose those great greens that you have there and uh, really working on mowing lines. So uh, in the fall of 2013, we were able to go in and really do a lot of it in one shot as far as expansions go and the other greens go, built some new tees. Uh, dropped a lot of trees and then um, throughout the years after that it was a, just like a tweak here or there on fairways um, you know unfortunately Shore Acres doesn't have a lot of information and to be fair a lot of Rainer courses uh, I don't uh, he wasn't one to leave plans around or there wasn't a lot of photographs so we were able to have one old aerial from 1937 mm-hmm. and we would you know have a look at that every year and you know those cold chicago days i'm looking at black and white images and old pictures and seeing w- what we can do next and how we can make this the most authentic experience we can and and i think we're able to achieve it and i'm sure that my successor will continue on there and uh and keep sort of going through and tweaking it and making it the best it can be yeah that's man uh, that's cool you know you were uh, so you were on a roll there, um, and then all of a sudden, uh, through your correspondence with the club and, and with Tom, this position opens at, at Terra Edi, and the traveler in you wanted to go, and your wife was willing to join you. Yes. Yeah, she was, thankfully. Um, yeah, I've always been kind of uh, curious. I've always wanted to, to work overseas, uh, and I figure this is this is a great spot to start. Um, you know, it's got a great climate. Uh 
It's yeah, the I'll only say. course in New Zealand that's all fine fescue, including the greens. So um, it's a bit of a challenge in the summer. It gets pretty darn hot here. And um, yeah, it's just an opportunity to go go do something different. You know, we're young. We don't have children. We can go and travel and and, and go do it. So this is, this is a great time and a great opportunity. Well, tell us about the club. Tell us, you know, the, the kind of the makeup of the club, the, the organizational structure, uh, the amount of play you have, just kind of a overview of, of the club itself. So the, the club itself now is about six years old, uh, uh, roughly. I don't know if there ever was, uh, you know, like an opening day or whatever like that, but the owner is Rick Kane. He, um, uh, he, he came here and fell in love and, and he purchased some land and decided he was going to build a golf course. And I think at the time the, the plan was really just to build something for, you know, for he and his close friends. And then, um, once some, some people started to come here, everyone kind of realized how special it was and how, how great of a golf course, uh, Tom Doak had laid out for him and, and to credit to he and his team. I mean, they had, um, you know, one heck of a task here. It's awfully windy. It's pure sand. So trying to keep that sand at bay while you're trying to grow in turf uh, is no easy task. And um, I'm not sure at what point it became available to have some memberships. Uh, and now the, the the club has grown exponentially, really. I mean, there's over 200 members and we're doing maybe 7,500 rounds uh, a year, which is which is a far cry from the probably a thousand or so that they thought they might have initially mm. when the, um, when the club was founded. So, so it's grown by leaps and bounds and, um, you know, we're still going through a little bit of uh, like growing pains with some things that we have to expand now because of, uh, the extra people that are here. We're always doing, uh, some, some projects and things around the buildings to try and accommodate for everyone else uh, that's coming. So, uh, as far as the, the structure of the club goes, um, it's pretty, it's pretty much kind of like an American style club. Uh, you know, it's a private place. Um, there is some unaccompanied play that's allowed. Uh, there's a general manager and then all the department heads will report to him. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, he's great in the fact that he lets, you know, the, 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 uh, department heads go and do their thing, uh, and doesn't intervene too much, which is always good. As you know, you always want to have the support and I'd be allowed to, to, to go and, you know, and do what you do best. So, now, is um, the owner a native uh, New Zealander? No, Rick Kane is from Los Angeles, uh, but uh, you know he has a house on site. He's here pretty often, um, so yeah, it's pretty quiet right now for, for for golf. But we'll be starting to pick up here. Oh, probably about the middle of October, early November. We'll start cranking right through summer, through the end of April and early May, and then. Are uh, you and Rick the only Americans on the team, or no, no? The other general manager is American. Um, Head pro is, is a Kiwi and I'm trying to think. Uh, no, I, I mean, it's a mixed bag, but as far as department heads go, um, I guess there's a Canadian, an Australian. So, I mean, it's, it's everything. Yeah. You I got mean, a mixed I mean, I think, bag, but you're not yeah, the, not the yeah, only uh, Yankee around there. No, no. And right. my, I think my team, I think when it's all said and done here, we'll have seven countries represented on, on our staff. It's pretty cool. That is cool. How big is your team? Uh, well, we're going to grow a little bit this year. We're going to be, I'm hoping to be at 20 people uh, in the peak season. So that's myself, an assistant, a couple of mechanics, and uh, irrigation tech, spray tech, and what's that, 14 greenkeepers. So right. it's good. 
yeah. it's a good yeah. team. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a big piece of property. I mean, you know, on that team as well, there's a horticulturist that'll help out a little bit on the course. But you know, there's uh, some cottages and just all all sorts of other sort of areas uh, off to the side that he's in charge of maintaining as well. So, I mean, it's growing. There's going to be um, let's see, there'll be a, at some point there'll be eleven uh, home sites. Um, yeah, the one actually has a golf hole in his front yard, so we're in charge of maintaining that as well. So, you know, it's just a lot of – there's a lot of stuff. It's about yeah. 100, about 120 acres uh, of grass. That's, a, that's a, at a half inch or less. So, you know, there's no rough – yeah, there's no trees, but there is a lot of short grass. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, let's get into that. But let's start with your climate first. So you said uh, spring is approaching. So tell us a little bit about the climate there. You mentioned it's a, it's a good fescue environment, but you're the only fescue golf – all fescue course in New Zealand. So – Tell us a little bit about the the climate and how that all works out. So for about nine months of the year, it's prime time. Uh, And it does get pretty warm here. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that aren't aware that there's a hole in the ozone over New Zealand. So while we'll only top out at 29 degrees, which is in like the the mid-80s, you know, like a lot of superintendents are probably thinking, well, that's nothing. Uh, It is... It is extreme heat. It's something that you know, I had a couple American kids come down last year, and they're like, "This sun is intense." So, yeah, it is. Uh, so, so, so that's what we we really try to battle in the summer is just trying to keep that yeah, the canopy cool um, and trying to replenish you know as much water as we can without uh, you know compromising the playing surfaces because we're you know we're averaging about six just a hair over uh, uh, six mil a day for, for, you know, like evapotranspiration rates. So just a hair over a quarter inch every day. And I think yeah. last, last summer we had a stretch of 90 days where we only had about a half inch of rain. So, uh-huh. and that's a hundred percent sand. So we're really trying to take advantage of the fescue and its roots and its ability to go and withstand the drought like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's pretty good for about nine months of the year. Uh, it's very interesting to me coming from the North where I've always had the winter, so now we don't have to worry about mud or anything of that nature. We can kind of go and do whatever we have to do all all winter long, and then come summer we can go maintain the turf. Um, right. But you know, it is like I said, it is certainly hot. We, have, you know, we definitely go away from our uh, a traditional sort of lynx uh, diet, if you will. Uh, you know, no no ammonium sulfate and, uh, and ferrous sulfate in the summer when it's really really hot like that. We just try and stick to a diet that has just about uh, no burn potential. On the greens, we have been utilizing the, uh, the turf screen, uh, spraying spraying that on the greens when we spray hawk almost as a tracker, and that's and that's really done wonders for us so far. Uh, and we'll continue to use that, uh, you know, as far as I can see on greens because it's it's really impressive. Well, that's quite an advertisement for thir- uh, for turf screen if it works in an area where there's no ozone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm fortunate I'm fortunate enough to use. Uh, to use it and the, you know I've known Scott he was a superintendent in Philadelphia when he came yeah, up yeah. with it and a lot of his research was on the the sun and its rays in Australia and New Zealand when he came out with the product right um, it, uh, I'm telling you what it it's uh, it's impressive even you know a lot of my guys and the staff have been saying it's you know it's different and there's just you know something about it yeah so yeah it's an interesting climate though it's humid it's hot I mean you know I mean we're growing almost every tropical fruit here except mango and pineapple. But yeah, bananas and avocados, olives, I mean, you name it, it's here. So it's a very interesting climate. Yeah. So 
did they tell you there was no ozone layer in the interview? Or I mean, <laughs> how did that come up, man? <laughs> how do you figure I mean, that out? I knew about it. Uh, I've yeah. talked to my predecessor a bit. And yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's hot. I mean, you feel it on your skin immediately. I mean, you have to put on sunscreen six, seven, eight times a day. And how you know, did it happen? I mean, is there any uh, direct correlation to anything in particular? You know, honestly, I haven't even done much much exploration into that. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as as far as why I hear every day. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I know that it is uh, the the hole is repairing itself as we speak, which is good. I'm sure it'll take okay. a lot longer in a couple of years, but um, wow. yeah. So I'm I mean I'm sure it has something to do with carbon and emissions and things like that, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 not sure. Um, so yeah, we just kind of deal with it and roll with it. But right. yeah, it is interesting. There's a lot of wild, uh, you know, warm season grasses around. So it's it's definitely more of a, a transition zone sort of place. You know, for those of uh, yeah, like American listeners that are listening, it's not as humid maybe as like a Baltimore, Washington D.C., but definitely has pretty similar climates. It just doesn't get as cold in the winter. So what really makes it an ideal fescue environment is the sand more than anything, right? I mean, it's, you know, because I mean, with that crazy climate that you're describing in terms of temperature, humidity and all that, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's not your traditional fescue. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, yeah, it's great. We're on sand. And I mean, like I said, everything about it for about nine months is true fescue. I remember I was watching your video. I actually, I, uh, when you're at Royal Port Rush, you had it on the break room um, and, and that was in the middle of winter here and it was warmer here in the winter than it was there in peak summer for the, for the open championship. So, right. um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, we're having those temperatures for a good portion of the year. It's ideal. And then it gets in the heat and you, you have to watch your P's and Q's a little bit, but yeah. you know, we still, I've only sprayed a, uh, a, a fungicide on three greens once for some red thread. So, you know, despite all the heat and all that, uh, you know, because it is fescue, uh, we, we, I don't think I have anything in my, in my building really, other than I think a half a jug of, uh, tebiconazole maybe that's it. Wow. So what, what are the, the main pests or challenges, if not your traditional pathogens or insects, uh, what, you know, is it the wind, um, the drought, the, those kind of things? The ozone? Yeah, it's the wind, it's the drought, lack of ozone. I mean, that's one thing definitely you have to watch your wind here. Uh, it'll pick up quick. Um, so you'll have to, to go and water the edges uh, of the other surfaces if, if the wind's coming in. If it's a dry storm, hopefully it's a storm coming in with wind and some rain to hold the yeah, the sand. But we have had some sand below, uh, like nothing like it was when it was being grown in, I'm sure. But you know, you'll come in in the morning and a couple of the greens will have like two, three inches of uh, sand across the whole green. Mm. Um, you know, wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're definitely watching wind a little closer than you would in the States. Um, trying to prevent yeah, the wind blow if you can. Um, really, as far as insects goes, we're actually spraying our, our, our one insecticide of the uh, application of the year right now for, for, uh, for black beetles. Um, and that's it. And just really trying to focus on watering practices and, uh, wetting agents. Cause, uh, you know, you know how crucial that is in, right, in a, a right. dry sandy place. What's the root system like on the fescue there? It's deep and it's dense. Yeah. yeah in yeah. the fairways we're down there. I don't know. Pretty, pretty far. I was just talking with one of the guys that's out raising heads right now. And you know, it's, it's down there probably 14 inches. Yeah, you know, that's spots. Yeah, and the greens are you, you know are are at least eight inches. So, um, yeah, it's 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 great to have. You know, I'm not used to having anything like that. So, 
Um, you know, when I was over at uh, Royal Portrush and, and some of the other links courses that I visited in the UK, you know, it's just a whole different degree of firmness. I mean, you know, American golf courses. Uh, now I haven't been to Bandon um, and any of those up there, but you know, anything, anything on Long Island and, and some of these other places. I mean, things can get really, really firm. But when you're dealing with um, Poanya bent grass and not not pure sand, it's just it's one thing. Is your golf course firm like it is in the UK? Hard as a rock. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty damn firm. We're um we're still still just a little bit uh, uh, shifty right now. I mean, we're still drier than or not drier, but uh, firmer than you know than than I was on you know on, on a lot of our better days at Shore Acres. Even uh, it's just I mean, even after a half inch of rain, you can go out and you're walking around, and it doesn't feel like you get any rain at all. Yeah, uh, but we still are a bit shifty. You know, this is uh you know. This place was built on on the beach with a lot of uh, you know native dune sand, so it's small, it's round, and it's perfectly uniform. So it's having a really hard time compacting. It's going to take a long time, but, right. um, but it's still it's still firm. I mean, I'm not complaining, but yeah, it's yeah. definitely yeah, it's definitely a little shifty. You know, if you drive across the green trying to drag in some sand or something like that, like even a, just a golf cart, like you'll see tracks. It, yeah, it doesn't affect play, but you can see it. And that's just it's it's pretty wild because you walk on it and under. Your, your foot, you say, man, this is firm. And then a, you know, a, a, like a, a golf cart drives on it and you go, wow, that's impressive. I can actually, I can see those tracks. Right. Right. Well, the 14 inch roots got to be helping, um, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it it's fescue wall to wall. Um, you know, in, uh, looking at some of the things that I could find about it online, there's some great, uh, aerial videos and such. I mean, it's spectacular how it really just looks like one height to cut right up into the greens. I mean, what, you, what are you mowing your fairways at? What are the greens at? How does that all blend? Um, uh, so right now we're at uh, 12 mil, so about a half inch mm-hmm. uh, on on fairways and tees. Our surrounds are, ooh, what's that, eight and a half mils, about 300. Sorry, I'm converting to metric, so I always have to convert back to Imperial when I talk to yeah, no. To other people, and uh, you're pretty yeah, that. for uh, for greens, we're uh, four and a half mil, which is just about one seventy. Okay, um, and then on greens, we don't go mow a uh, a cleanup pass. So okay. so depending on on that direction, at some point it'll get picked up. I mean, everything's so so very similar. Like you could go and mow out into the surrounds with a walk mower, um, and you wouldn't even really go and scalp anything. And right. yeah, it's all, it's all very similar. It's all very seamless the way it blends. It's a, it's a pretty neat presentation of the, the property. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's obviously just 18 fantastic golf holes out there, um, you know, with ocean views and surrounded in dunes. Um, one of the things I was looking at was talking about how the, the third and the fifth fairways intersect. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They cross each other. So, um, when you're walking off the fifth tee and off the, the the third tee, you'll you'll go and cross paths with you, you know, with your uh, uh, friends or fellow members, and it's pretty similar on uh, twelve and thirteen as well. Twelve's uh, uh, and I think one of the better holes out here, uh, par four, and then thirteen, you walk back to the tee and um, you actually drive over the twelfth green if you're on the right hand tee. So, and then number two. 
two T and number nine T are essentially the same T box. So you've got the opportunity to to have some great interaction with other golfers out here throughout your round. It's really neat. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's it's walking with caddies, or can you take? Yeah, a uh, you can take a cart in the off season, uh, but uh, it's just it's too hot in the fescue. Like you'll right. Uh, you know, if you're out there in the afternoon uh, on a hot day. Uh, uh, with anything, even you know, even walking you know, with a trundler, like, like you'll see the tracks from a from a trundler and some footprints. Some days when it gets real hot and dry. So right. if you have a so if you have a golf cart out there, you'll see the tire tracks for almost a month. It takes forever to grow out. Uh, uh, yeah, everything about fescue is extreme, extremely slow. So um, right. so we try to limit cart cart um, cart play uh, in the summer months, and then. Um, I mean, even for, for our staff, we don't mow after probably 1030 in the morning in the summer, you know, right. you know, we're done. It's all, it's all like watering and, you know, maintaining bunkers in the dunes and things like that in the afternoon. Cause it's just, it's way too abrasive on the turf. Are you spraying wedding agents wall to wall then? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What are you using? So I've just got in my pump house, I've got a. Uh, a fertigation system. So I've just got just a cheap, just a penetrant in there. That's, that's really, that's set up at a really, really low rate. Mm -hmm. Um, just so there's always just a little bit in the line. I think it's like one mil per liter. So almost nothing, but if you have a hose out there, if you have anything, then you can at least go and go and, uh, try to break the, uh, the surface tension. Right. And then, yeah, I spray a couple different ones, uh, on the greens, really just a penetrant. Uh, just to keep that water moving, to keep it as firm as we can uh, every couple of weeks. And then uh, on the other uh, fairways, I haven't quite found the other right one yet, but it's definitely more towards a penetrant as opposed to a holder or anything that's going to be retaining moisture. You mm-hmm. know, as I, like I was saying, I really just try to maintain the other uh, links sort of uh, soul and characteristics of this place. Right, right. How about the use of seaweeds or sugars like molasses or anything like that? Is that part of your program? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not so much the molasses right now, but, um, you know, because, uh, we, we are on an island nation. We do have, uh, great, great, uh, seaweed and the providers. So there's actually one not too far away from here that makes uh, a bunch of different, uh, formulations for different crops from uh, kiwi fruit to passion fruit to, to whatever, to out of turf. So, um, you've got one for the soil, that's just loaded with amino acids and just, I mean, just really like uh, just a little bit of everything. It's, it's amazing when you see the label, there's gotta be a hundred different, just, uh, you know, uh, like nutrients and amino acids and things in there. It's, it's wild all in trace amounts. And then we actually have one that's a foliar as well. That pretty much goes out every time we spray at just, uh, I think five liters a hectare. So just really light and pretty much all the time. And it's, it's a great response too. I mean, I'll put the one for the soil in my, uh, that fertigation tank and, uh, you know, and go out and water the whole place. If I know there's a rainstorm coming in the summer and it's just get a great boost. Right. So great tool for accessing and utilizing, uh, soil available nutrients, as well as just providing some added stress relief through those hot droughty months, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this place was a, uh, uh, a pine forest before it was a golf course. So, a commercial uh, uh, forest. So there's a lot of good stuff in the ground. It's not like it's been, you know, uh, like dunes for its, for its entire life. So there's a lot of organic in there. That's great uh, to help break it down and release things uh, throughout, throughout the year and 
throughout the course of, uh, you know, of the golf course of life, really. Yeah. Cool. Well, some of the other holes that were really something else was uh, number seven, drivable par four. Uh, what a green site that looks like. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been said it's the smallest green that Tom's ever built. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's maybe 2,200 square feet. Okay. That's smaller than number three on Medina course one. Because yeah, it's, that was it's way nice. too small. I, I, <laughs> it's, but, it's small. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got some good ones here. Uh, number four is overlooked, uh, in my opinion. That's another drivable par four. I mean, like you have to hit it a long. I mean, not a long way, but it's you know, it's, it's definitely reachable. Um, you know, it's uphill with a bunker in the middle there. And then number thirteen is also another great short four. Um, just really, just a simple hole with some with some great elements to it. You know, with just a big mound in the front right corner of the green there that really kind of dictates the entire hole and how you approach the green. Um, so yeah, they had, there's some great ones here. There's, there's a great set of par threes as well. Um, you know, all around, I don't think there's a really a, uh, a weak hole here. Yeah. The finishing holes too, uh, starting with 16 and the par three seventeenth. um, man, really, uh, 17 is a, a, one of those hard to find short par threes. It's just really hard apparently, huh? Yeah, it is. It's a postage stamp green. It's got a couple of tiers to it. You know, big, big bunkers, uh, waste areas all around it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's been pretty heavily photographed, uh, throughout its existence. And, uh, I'm sure it will be in the future. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good one. And it's a, it's just like a, a great stretch. Like you said, like even number 15 is a great par three and a short par four uphill 16th, uh, short par three 17 and, a, a pretty good size, uh, 18th hole to finish there right by the clubhouse. So with spring approaching, your peak golf season is ahead of you. And um, what, when does that run? When, when is the uh, prime time to come play golf there? And when does it end? Um, well, let's see. In my mind, prime time would be in October and November and April and May, just because the, the sun has calmed down a little bit. Not sure. quite as, uh, as intense, but still some great long days. Uh, in great conditions, you know, you can have a you know, like a week of, uh, you know, of great dry weather in November, but it's not really hot enough to necessitate any watering. So you could really have just, just really, really good conditions. But yeah, the flip side is that the ocean hasn't warmed up yet, so you can't go and you know and jump in afterwards. But um, if you're going to be here playing golf, I mean, really, it's end of October to end of April, and yeah, the summer's great here. It's it's hot. You know, the ocean's great. There's you know, endless beaches all around us, but you know, with hardly anybody on them. So it's, it's, it's a great thing to take advantage of if you're here. Well, personally, how are you settling in? You said it's been about a year. What's it like, uh, uh, on a personal level to, to move so far away and, and, uh, make a home in a different country? Um, it's, you know, it's been a challenge, uh, but it's been, you know, I guess a welcome challenge, you know, I've, I've never been one to kind of want to, to, to go be complacent. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a bit of a, you know, it's a challenge having just to learn a new culture and the way things are done compared to what you are accustomed to your entire life in one, you know, in, in one country, one place. So it's been great, but we're settled in now. You know, we've got a great house we can rent here, uh, until we can go and purchase one. Uh, and I think we'll be here for the foreseeable future. And, um, yeah, it's been fun. Gosh, it's great. I mean, the weather is fantastic and 
the other people are absolutely wonderful and it's just that kind of cool cool beach town that uh you know that you want to live in it's a holiday town that you can live in it's great man that's awesome well congratulations man i really appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit about uh terry Edie and all that goes into it as well as uh your pathway to getting there man um best of luck to you and hopefully you will join us again and uh, maybe give us an update when your season gets rocking uh we'll check in with you and uh find out how things are going absolutely that sounds that sounds like a plan and uh thanks for having me it was fun you bet thanks again you got it wow really cool stuff with brian palmer out there tara Edie, all the way around the globe in new zealand at the Tom Dope Masterpiece. If you're a turf nerd and that's why you listen to this show because you love to know what goes into making a golf course uh, play well and look good, then this is the podcast for you. We appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe at thecoursereports.com. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're out there. And also our YouTube channel, The Course Reports On Site. Four great videos. A lot more coming to you in the future. We really appreciate your support. Please pass this to your friends and family and anybody that's into the game of golf for a different perspective. Thanks for getting on the green. This episode is brought to you by Dave Thompson's Organic Healthy Grow and Healthy Grow Professional Brand Fertilizers. It's sustainable, it's organic, it's best in class. Find it at a retailer near you or online at healthygrow.com green. The way it's made matters. HealthyGrow.com slash green.